0: Welcome to Keeping Up With Data. Keeping Up With Data is the podcast that keeps data enthusiasts up to speed with what is happening in the data world. We bring in the leading minds from the data industry to talk all things career, news, embarrassing stories, failures and successes. So something really important for us here at Precision Sourcing is mental health. It's something we've been focused on a lot over the last year or so. And we're lucky enough to have partnered with the Black Dog Institute. And we're going to be doing a lot of events with them this year. A lot of our events, and money will be going towards them. And they're out there aiming to create a mentally healthier world for everyone. So if you wish to support the cause, please donate via the link in the bio on this podcast. And you'll be seeing a lot more information about Black Dog over the next year. Well, welcome to Keeping Up With Data, a very special episode with myself, Joel Robinstein And today we're not joined by any other Precision people because we have enough personality in the room <laughs> with Annalise Chechep, otherwise known as Annie. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, how are you? I'm
0: super well. I'm really excited about today, Annie, because we've known each other a long time. We both like to talk. I know you've got stories, and I feel like today could be a very special episode of the pod, so no pressure.
1: No pressure at all, and I kind of feel like we're halfway through because we've had so many great chats just before we started recording.
0: (laughs) I feel like it's like when you listen to a podcast and they're like, oh, we had all these great discussions beforehand. We've literally been sat here for 25 minutes now, nearly. (laughs) Um, So we're going to try and put all that into the podcast today. All the interesting stuff we spoke about Invisalign and dogs and eyelid surgery. um, Boldness. Boldness. So all really interesting stuff that you want to hear about on a data podcast, right? <laughs> um well, look, Annie, let's, let's keep everyone up to date with who you are. I won't try and introduce yourself. Why don't you just give us a very quick overview of who you are? And you can answer that in any way you want, whatever it means to you.
1: Hi, I am Annie. Um, well, everybody calls me Annie, and the reason they call me Annie is because the way my name is spelled, I never thought it was that complicated, but a lot of people who read it, um get very uncomfortable <laughs> saying How it do out loud. It? Because it's spelled and lies, it's A N N E L I E S, it's but it's spelled and lies and so people see it and they go, well it can't be Annalise, which is the way it's actually sure. pronounced. Because that's usually A N N A and so there's a little bit more of a phonic support. Yeah, okay but the way my name's spelled is not does not helpful for people who's try, who are trying to pronounce so Annie's it Annie's a loud. lot
0: easier for everyone.
1: Yeah, so I just kind of got to the point where um, I was like, just call me Annie, it's fine. Um, it's a bit of a play off uh, something my brother used to tease me and he used to call me Annie Penny. I think it was to do with a play on Henny Penny, you know, like the hen who thought that the world was falling on her.
0: I don't know. He basically thought I was
1: overly dramatic. Right. Why would he think that? I don't know. (laughs) I know. Really? I honestly, right? And so... anyway, that's my name. Nice. And so we've so I far been... found out
0: about your name. So that's a good start.
1: <laughs> All right. Maybe move on beyond my name. Um, I have been working in the analytics data space for, what is it like over 20 years now, I think. And it's, it's just been a, it's been quite a journey. And there's been lots of things that I've, I've learned along the way. I spent 16 years working in the technology space. Well, I was, I guess you could say I started my life a little bit in academia. Then I went to the technology space. And then for the last um, 18 months or so, I've been at PwC. Nice. Yeah. Well,
0: we're going to get into a lot about your time at SAS, which is where you were for 16 years, because anyone who's anywhere for 16 years must have learned and done a lot with plenty of stories. also talk about PwC, I think it's a really good topic, just generally that comes up on our podcast quite a bit. You know, what is it like in consulting, you know, different kind of projects that you get to work on. And also like the aspects of that job that a lot of people don't realize the sales side of things, which I know for you has been a new learning experience, which is great. Um, I think we'll also get into maybe some amateur acting, which I know is a passion of <laughs> yours. Um, I remember what your party trick is, so we'll definitely get into that a little bit later. Make sure you do that. Um, but why don't we just start from the beginning then? So you mentioned you started in academia. So Annie Penny, coming out of school, why data? Why yeah, stats? Whatever why it was. Stats, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm, I'm an actual bona fide mathematician, Wow. <laughs> which I think scares me probably as much as it scares anybody else. <laughs> so I, it's an interesting one. I actually became, began life, uh, tertiary life, really wanting to do psychology. You could probably tell I'm a bit of a people person. Yep. You know, I like to have a yarn. Yeah. I like to give advice, probably not the best advice, but <laughs> I like to. The best I...
0: kind of advice is you give to other people.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So I just like to have that conversation. So. I really wanted to get into, really, um, and, and I've always been really interested in the way that people think. Sure. So, you know, why people do certain things, criminals and non-criminals, but just everyday behavior, really. So uh, that was my goal in life. That was, I was so, I was very desperate to want to go into this. And and so that was kind of the, the beginning of, like, I suppose, my university. But um, my parents being my parents, they were like, well, you've never actually studied psychology. You <laughs> and, and you haven't ever, being a big fan of humanities and and as a whole, oh. so maybe not your calling. Can <laughs> you
0: study psychology at school? Is that like a thing? No, though? it's not. Right. So, but so. you can
1: study literature and history and sure. the subjects which are were like, never my favorite things.
0: They're not related to psychology, though. No,
1: but like the humanity subject, you know, where you okay. write essays and okay. you you know that kind of um, you know that type of thinking and sure. you know. So it in any case never really i was never great at those things so uh, my parents were like why don't you just stick with just just safety subjects (laughs) maybe just stick with a few subjects that you know you're good at so i i took on chemistry and maths maths um uh, chemistry i just loved maths i was just generally good at so i was like all right i'll do this and then um second year of psych came around uh, came around and after a year of realizing what psychology was like as a subject at university i realized that it probably wasn't for not me for you. <laughs> i um i was like nope stubborn gonna stick with it for another year so i stuck with it for another year yeah, but i ended up having you gave two. it a proper go i gave it a proper go i had to drop um chemistry just because i had too many units mm. uh and then by third year i was like yeah definitely not what i think it is so what was Um, it was
0: it just like what i remember of psychology just a lot of learning about studies from like the 50s yeah and that's it
1: there was a lot of that and there was a lot of you had to memorize what the studies were and who wrote the studies and the variations and And then you had to you had to cite them all in essays and i think for me is i'm um I'm like a Wikipedia researcher. It's yeah. like, you know, I can get really deep into subjects. Nice. Like, but I I'm not necessarily the one that's going to remember exactly who said sure. what when.
0: You're really interested in it? At that four AM moment in bed, when you're really <laughs> deep into it, but doesn't mean you want to remember it in three years from now, right? Exactly. Yeah. So
1: I think just it's like, okay, I guess my parents were somewhat right, and then, so I it was kind of a luck, I suppose, that I ended up just having lots of maths, and that was pretty much what I was left with, and mm. so, I ended up becoming a mathematician, and it's not a it's not a bad job. It's like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was the right time to become a mathematician based on where the data industry's gone from. Twenty years ago to now, right? Fantastic opportunity to stumble into the fastest growing industry over time, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that's one of the things. I I don't know. You know how like I always think of myself as really lucky because I always find myself in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Okay. For a lot of things, and I think that's one of the lucky things oh, that happen. You make
0: your life. own luck too, right? You must believe. Yeah. yeah I okay, think cool. so.
1: I think there's there's obviously an element of like luck is. Is all of the things that you did up until that point yeah. to get to there. But yeah, it's
0: like a combination of hard work, being at the right place at the right time, but also having that ability to take your chance. I just made that oh, up. <laughs> it sounds right though, right? <laughs>
1: sounds right. Yeah, cool.
0: Side note my, yeah. dog, my dog is okay. <gasps> Yay. That's good. Yeah, he's just come out of the vets and he's got hair loss due to a stressful incident though. So I have oh. no idea why he's stressed. So, oh, it like he- eczema? Kinda, yeah. So he had to go to the groomers last time by himself because my other dog had hurt his paw and he hates going to the groomers as it is. So maybe the fact that Hilton wasn't there meant Coco was really sad. Anyway, he's fine. That's the most important thing. That was a pre-pod conversation that we've got the ending to.
1: Dogs are so precious.
0: He's a little baby, this one, honestly. Like he's (laughs) eight or nine years old or something like that, but he's such a suck. So I'm not surprised he got anxious. Anyway, right back to data related things. So maths... Came out of uni. Came out of uni. Did a bit of academia, you said first? I did.
1: I actually wanted to... I really like teaching. Cool. Um, Okay, cool. So there's this thing when you you go to uni, when you get to sort of like the honours year, they let you teach classes. Nice. (laughs) So they just need the bodies to go and teach all the classes that they have, first and second year classes. So I started um, teaching classes, realizing how much I really liked it. Uh, I also uh worked in the tutor tutoring center and things Mm. like that and everything was great and i actually wanted to be a teaching academic
0: but i can see you've got teacher energy by the way like up there at the front people listening i I get that
1: yeah (laughs) uh but uh, at the time, and this is where things have definitely changed in academia, but at the time they didn't do teaching only academics.
0: Oh, so it's like you had to do
1: You had to like papers do and stuff. PhD, postdoc, you had to do all the research, right. you had to get qualified, and then you had to get, you know, teaching, pos- not a teaching position, like a, it was mostly a research position, basically. Okay. Honestly, research, I, I tried my hand at it. I, I did a, um, I got, Coerced and, well, coerce is probably a bad <laughs> word. Let's try to find a nicer word. Um, I was e- influenced into doing... Um, it sounds like a exactly the same ma- as
0: coerced.
1: <laughs> a research <laughs> master's. Uh, I knew after my honours year that research probably wasn't for me. Right. But um, I had done as a bit of a side side work while I was like doing other teaching. Um, I had started helping my... Professor, um, you know, with some research for a paper that he had, so he came up with the idea that we might as well convert it into a thesis. And I was like, I don't really want to do another three to five years of a PhD. Uh-huh. <laughs> I really, I don't think research is my thing. Um, and so I got. I got in I got I got convinced that I could do a research masters, mm. which is uh about a two-year program. Like in
0: between e vibes.
1: It's kind of in between. Yeah. So that's what I ended up doing. Um research was definitely not for me, but it's weird though. Now in retrospect, you know, like sometimes when you come out of a situation that you're not happy with and then years later you kind of forget how bad it was. Yeah. And then you think back and you go, like, I could do that again. Oh god no. <laughs> so, so there's 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 moments when I think back and I go, if I if there was a topic that I'd be really interested in. Maybe I could spend three to five years doing it and get my PhD. Finally, but I, I don't think so. Like as I said, I'm a Wikipedia researcher. Yeah. I'm like, a, give me everything in one source, and I'll read it.
0: And then that's it. Move on to the next. <laughs> and then day. I'll
1: move on to the yeah. next thing. And also,
0: like, you're not a stuck in the room, looking at research kind of person, right? You need the energy, of the people around you.
1: Yeah, which is probably why, like, I was attracted to like disciplines like psychology and other things because. Yeah. And I think if I did do a PhD, it would have to be something applied in that way. Like it'd have to be something that actually required field studies. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Like talking to communities or like stakeholders, that kind of thing.
0: kind of against the grain of the typical, what people see as a mathematician or someone who works with data, right? But you're like that human centric data person. You're like, but everything in life is people. And the data is about the people rather than the other way around.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think thats it's very important to not lose sight of that. I think sometimes we look at the data and we get so deep into the data and we just...
0: You're saying data. That's interesting. Do you not say data? Data, data,
1: data. You know what? It's very... Um, Oh.
0: How come you say data?
1: Is it because I speak with a generally American accent so Maybe. you get confused and you expect me to say data?
0: Yeah, but like all Aussies say data and then like sometimes I find myself like falling into it now again, but no, it's data, data.
1: Yeah, a, like Americans say data too.
0: Yeah, so how come you say data? British people it's say British. data.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I The next time around, I'll probably say data. Cool. <laughs> okay, cool. All
0: right. So you just mix it in with so right. three. I'm that. sorry. I just I caught like that keep, there. I, like, I like to keep
1: people on their toes.
0: I'm on my toes now. I was very surprised. <laughs> uh, anyway, so. Um,
1: so, yeah, I think we get really deep into the data sometimes. And data, data, mm. uh, datum, single <laughs> I've data point. i put you on
0: a spin now, haven't I?
1: Data point, yeah. and datum, <laughs> I didn't data. know that. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it's always been about the people. It's been about what is the impact, what is what is it actually going to be used for? How is it really going to help someone? That's always been what's been the most important to me because to me, I'm a very big why person, yeah. so I don't like doing things without knowing why I'm doing it. Yeah, okay. So what is the point of looking at data? I, I mean, it can just be fun to go in and like delve into the data and figure it out, sure. but if it has no real direct outcome or impact. It's a bit like you do all this work and um, it's like the tree fell in the forest.
0: But no one hears and it. And then no
1: one hears it. Yeah. So who's going to... Care. Who cares? <laughs>
0: yeah, that makes sense. And I
1: hate that. I hate thinking that what I did was not...
0: Not worth it. Worth it. Yeah, okay.
1: Because I- I'm a very like high value, like whatever you do, you try to make it as valuable as you can.
0: So do you think that's why that you found so much success at SAS because you're obviously selling technology so therefore you're giving people the ability to do the why and you're also able to talk to them about why they should be using SaaS as a powerful tool especially when you started at SaaS because it was just the one right that was in the industry everywhere it was every role i recruited back then was you need to have SaaS in SQL.
1: definitely um y- yes Short answer. Yeah. Short sure <laughs> like, answer, I just do just bring Joel with me to every interview. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great summary. Uh, I For me, it was, um, so maybe some of it is also influenced, I think some of it is by base personality, but it's like a nature nurture thing. But I think also some of it was influenced by me spending so much time working in the pre-sales business at yeah. SAS because in the pre-sales business you are always having to iterate the why because clients won't buy anything if they don't really understand the why
0: especially when it's a let's be honest expensive piece of software it's
1: a, exactly if it's like back in the day you know you didn't have very much choice but you had to like go for a commercial off the shelf software nowadays you have so much more choice right so as time progressed as well and thing and and then open source became more of an acceptable thing within organizations you have to be even stronger about the why you have to be stronger about why not just analytics but why commercial you know software and and all of the why questions so i think some of it's also through maybe years and years of training and years and years of just like talking to clients but
0: did it get really hard at the time when r came out but when R came out everyone's like oh yeah yeah whatever but then all the people came across from academia with R and the younger people started getting higher up and they were like, hey, we can just use this product over here. So you really had to start selling more, eh?
1: It was definitely a challenge yeah. when I was at SAS. I think it was because it wasn't like, a, a flip, like a switch flip, no. you know, it was, it was something that we noticed because we're all from academia, right? Like all of us who worked in analytics or data, we had all come from academia at some point, you know, and so we keep our ear to the ground and we kind of knew it was happening. Yeah. And um, like when I was, <laughs> it's a long time ago, but when I was at university, <laughs> um, I, we actually used something called S plus, which is nice. the commercial version of R Oh, really? So R is like an open source version of this I'm language it might called be S plus. To
0: SPSS or something. No, oh, okay.
1: I did use SPSS in psych, in my psych yeah. class though. But so I was familiar with the language. Um, but I was also like coming from academia. I kind of understood the difference between open source and there at the time there was much more of a clear delineation between what you would use one thing for yeah. than another. But obviously over time, open source being as it is, it's all about crowdsourcing, right? And ultimately, if you get a big enough crowd and you yep. get a big enough crowd that have like 10, 20, 30 years of experience behind them, it's, it's going to be yeah. almost like almost comparable, right? Yeah. So yeah, it was definitely, but it was just one of those progressive things that you just kind of notice a little at a time. And then it became more and more of a serious challenge yeah, over that. time. But you know, there's a, there's a time and place for everything. I even think that even now, like there was there's a project that happened a year or so ago where I've seen this happen a few times, where we, where if a client doesn't have anything, we just use open source, and that's sure. that's you know that's just how it is because we want to give them an outcome. But there were moments when I was working on this project where I was because I knew SAS so well and I knew the things that um, made it um, so user friendly, and there were moments during the project where I was just like. Uh, Shouldn't there be an open source package for this? You know, it's like I'm sure there must be, but you have to really know what the packages are. Versus if you just had SaaS and we just use SaaS, it would be easier because things are literally called what they you expect them to be called. There's only one version of everything, you know. And then someone um, who and there's lots of example code out there. Yeah, and
0: someone who understands what customers need has developed it. Yes, with something like R, it was I need this out of it me the individual so i will put something into it right put something in but like
1: that thing isn't going to be the complete picture necessarily so that in combination with three other things super powerful but in it itself is only one quarter of what you need so so that was kind of my thinking on this project is and i've had this thought a few times since and somehow sometimes um There's a time and place for everything, you know, it's just, it it depends what you're trying to get at. It also depends who the client is, depends who the consultants are, it depends on the skills of everyone. It's just a a situational.
0: Exactly. And you know what, ease of use sometimes has to come out on top, which is why something like SaaS is great because of ease of use. And even with R, R was almost like a snapshot in time in the data industry. Like, yeah, people still use it now, but nowhere near what it was say 2012 2013 where everyone was going crazy over it thinking this is going to change the world which it did change the world in the sense that it opened people's minds to the open source world but they realized quite quickly the limitations of that open source world at the same time and the industry kind of went back again to oh just give me something i know that i can train everyone on really simply really easily yes we have to pay for it but we get it
1: and I think most organizations now um are really they commit to a hybrid yeah. technology stack now yeah. because they understand that there are situations where uh because of skills or because of the application that you're trying to do or what you're trying to do the situation that you're in that open source is the best solution but yeah. there are also some other situations where um having something that's a bit more well tested and rigorous and, and you know, secure and also repeatable yeah. so you do it this way the algorithm is not going to suddenly change without you know people being notified 10,000 ways that yeah, yeah. <laughs> something's changing um in the next release so it yeah definitely people a lot more hybrid now um but yeah it's been a very it's been a very interesting journey with it yeah. te- in the technology space in that way but i i I don't know whether I should tell the story, but I've I've said it now, uh, but I actually met the original, one of the original writers of R oh, cool. at a conference at a statistical society of Australia conference. Um, like,
0: n- n- nice person.
1: Yeah. He was a lovely guy, oh, big, great. big, big bushy beard, Kiwi. And he actually said to me at this conference that like, it wasn't his intention. And I think he's actually publicly said this as well, that. When they released R, it was really only, they only released it for use within academia. It wasn't supposed yeah. to become this commercially used software. So that it's a sense. very, I think it was, a, it was a big surprise to him as Scar- well. A scary him.
0: journey when that is going as far past where you expected it to go, right? And yeah. at any point it could kind of come back on you. Imagine, like, I don't know, some sort of company was like, hey, you're tall did this to our business. And he's like, whoa, it's not my fault. I'm sorry, I just, not my fault you used it. There's not a commercial license. There's not a, yeah,
1: I know. But I think that's, yeah, there's always, there's always that risk in, in analytics as well, right? Where there's always that balance, whether you're talking about technology or the the algorithm that you're choosing or the type of data you want to mm. analyze, you know, people want personalized data, but Correct. they get really upset when they find out that yeah, <laughs> right. their personalized their personalized information that they're getting requires them, Such you a know, fine line yeah, world, requires yeah. the use of actual very personal wow. data. So
0: I think we're at the point now where it seems most companies, like you said, have accepted the hybrid model because what. We've kind of got gone from, oh, we need everyone to do it exactly the same way, to let's let everyone do it however they want, to now being like, as long as we can enable our people in a relatively re- you know repeatable fashion, then that's okay. I mean, even the technology we've got in our business, we've got some technology that none of the dudes use because they just don't want it, but other ones need it. But if I got rid of it, those who needed it would be really angry. So you just kind of got to create an environment that works for everyone, and I'm sure it's the same in consulting, like you said, where you go in and you can't go in being like, "We have to use these tools."
1: No, it's definitely a bit of a, a toolkit situation mm. rather than it being like, like a hammer for all jobs. Yeah. So which
0: I, kind of SaaS used to be though? Let's be it honest. It was.
1: It was. Uh, but it was. But I found it also really interesting because. Um, uh, while I was still at SAS well, even early on in the days of SaaS even before open source became like such a big thing to be used in commercial um, contexts, um, th- we always talked about like toolkits. We always talked about like the fact that you can't always like just take one approach mm. to fixing a problem. But I think that's also to some extent. Again, part of it, the nature-nurture thing is, you know, I'm a naturally curious person, which I think lends well to someone working in the analytics and data space. But um, also thinking about the purpose behind everything that you do and understanding this whole hybrid environment and yeah. and how do you adapt into different situations. And so I think my, my, my life at SAS actually helped a lot with that because I got to meet a lot of different types of users and yeah, different clients and very small clients, very huge clients, federal, like government clients, you know, like.
0: What's your favorite kind of client to work with?
1: They'll probably watch this and then they'll all be like staring at me. Yeah, just, like, all waiting, all waiting for <laughs> waiting, you. waiting, waiting yeah. for me to say. All uh, right, you better say I, my name. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say any names, but I will say that like the last few years that I was at SAS, I worked primarily actually in with the banks. Yeah, okay. I think they sometimes get a bad reputation. You know, people go like, they're just bankers. They're all bankers. You know, they're all just trying to get your money and everything like that. But
0: I don't think I've ever met a data person working at a bank that I've ever gone, Oh, you're a banker. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's it's not that typical what you think of a banker to be, is it?
1: And I think banking has changed a lot in the last 20 years as well, to be honest, it's become so customer centric now. Um, even, even when they are doing marketing, they do risk-adjusted ma- marketing modeling now, which is very much around. We won't try to push something on you and get more money from you if you are going to go into debt. Yeah. If we think you're, this is not a good move for you. So I, I, I think there's a lot more thought that you know. But so I, I worked a lot with them doing a, um, a role. I sort of started here in Australia um, at, at Sasko Customer Success Management, which has now been huge. So when nice. I got the role, I used, to like, I used to go around introduce myself as a customer success manager and they were like, that's a really cool title. That's a really cool title. Are you now... taking
0: claim for that title in Australia for every <laughs> single company?
1: Well, I would have <laughs> liked to because a couple of months ago, I started working um, on something with a whole with a whole bunch of, like three different vendors and they all had customer success managers and I was like, mm. You guys, if only you if knew. If only you knew.
0: <laughs> I was the first.
1: <laughs> well, I was the first at SAS sure, sure, in Australia. Sure, sure. But that's
0: not what you meant, though. You think? No, you it, I mean, didn't like you?
1: no. But even SAS globally, they weren't called CSMs globally. Yeah, okay. They were called customer account execs yeah, okay. and things. like So they had different titles. So the title customer success manager, I don't think I was the first. But doing that role, it was a role that was in a way kind of created based on work that I had just been doing naturally, kind of off the books a little bit with some of these clients. And then I think in a lot of ways, its it was almost like a role that was, I wouldn't say creative for me, but definitely suited me to a T because it was like the the role it didn't have a scope when it started it was kind of like Annie do you want to do customer success manager and it's kind of this or actually at the time I think they wanted to call it customer adoption manager and I was like no success is better much better yeah (laughs) so much better let's not be too on the nose about like what this role is yeah yeah, yeah.
0: you need to kind of a bit of mystique about the role
1: yeah but um but I did a lot of that role was around going to clients and finding out about like how they use the software, but also just generally how they did analytics mm. and then working with them to then say, how could you possibly use some of the stuff that you don't know about like to do things yeah. potentially better, to do more things with basically just leverage the investment that you have. but through that experience it was just so much working and with the client there was a lot of um not just about case studies and use cases but also just about like enablement and like community building and and all of that so I love that
0: you were there for 16 years as someone who's also been at a company for a long time now I'm always interested to know like how someone stays there for that long like what was it they gave you that you were like, I just have to keep staying here?
1: I think for me, it was opportunities. Uh, it was not like a, a 16 years where I never thought of leaving. Mm. I have to say after 16 years, when I did leave, a lot of people were really surprised that I left because they were like, we thought you were gonna be a lifer. Yeah, But well, I never. After 16 years. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think through the 16 years, surprisingly, I never thought of myself as someone who would just work yeah, in the sure. one company. I think it was again, situational, it was luck, it was, you know, circumstance, it was, That I, you know, I would... Want to do something different every couple of years, but it just so happened, you know, demonstrated my skills and you know worked quite well with people internally, and then there would be a role opening up in a different department, you know, and then I would go, okay, that's interesting, that's different, it's a challenge, let's go there, and then uh, and that happened a couple of times, and then I ended up finding myself into uh, you know landing in pre-sales, where I stayed for probably the majority of like over 10 years basically, (laughs) yeah, and then customer success management as part of that. Uh, before I did that role, there was business solution management, which is basically okay. managing the solution stack and.
0: So you kept growing, you kept changing. Yeah. It was different enough that you didn't feel same same.
1: It felt almost like it was a bit like you're walking up a hill. You're just kind of.
0: I'm almost imagining a slow along. spiral without even any steps. You're just going up slowly, but and then before you know it, you're, you're kind of thought.
1: like you know you're somewhere else. And you're the else, first
0: so. customer success manager ever. <laughs>
1: yes exactly. exactly i think that's that's a really good analogy the spiral one yeah. um yeah because it is one of those situations where you don't notice you've you you are where you you're are you're not taking
0: big career jumps no. and moving roles and this yeah. like moving companies and
1: and and i have to say that was what was great about SAS, and that like at least while i was there there was so many of these opportunities throughout my career i think though you know when come back to that topic of luck it was also because I I worked really hard. Well,
0: yeah, that's what I mean. You make your own luck, right? If you weren't good at what you did, the luck wouldn't have just come to you.
1: Exactly, but at the same time, so much of it was working hard, but also being in an environment where people acknowledged yeah. what you did. That wasn't always true, and it wasn't always true at SaaS either, but there were definitely um, at crucial points in my career. It,
0: That's important. We did a survey, I want to say about 18 months ago, asking our candidates, what is the most important thing to you in a job outside of, you know, salary? Fine, we get that. And the thing that came top by a country mile was recognition. And recognition, not just on a, you're in front of the whole company being recognized for a big project, but just your leader coming in that day saying, hey, that little thing that you did there, great job, notice that. People just want to be noticed.
1: They do. I was actually part of, um, unsurprisingly, I was part of a lot of uh, social and working groups. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which we're going to get on to next. Yeah. That was but, my next line of questioning. But
1: one of my, um, one of my things uh, that I did years and years ago when I was at SAS was we were talking, I was on the recognition team and we were trying to figure out what different ways could, do people want to be recognised? And yes, there's there's awards, there's you know money, gift vouchers, all of that sort of stuff, promotions. But we also came up with this idea of like um, just a just like a letter yeah. to say thank you. Nice. And I know one of the things is when um, I hit, I think five, ten, every five years or so, something like that, or even like after one year, um, Dr. Jim Goodnight, who's the owner of SAS, he would send you a letter. I'm sure someone else wrote it, but sure. it's but not the still. point. But there would be the signature that maybe he did or did not sign, but...
0: In pen. It,
1: but in pen. But it yeah. made you feel Especially. like, you know, in a, in a company of 11,000 odd people, it was thing, like, like at least, you know... It's harder to
0: do in a company that size, right? Yeah,
1: at least, you know, they, they remembered. Someone remembered. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah we have that. Here. So every year you get your anniversary, you go for lunch with your leader, and then every 5, 10, 15 years you go out for like a big... Fancy meal, but we're only 30 people here, so it's super easy to do. Um, And we've started doing a newish thing this year where we've tried to stop focusing on the end, which is the deal. You do a deal, everyone knows that's a good thing, right? We're like, no, a trainee just pitched their first meeting. We're like celebrating it like it's the biggest deal they've ever done. Like, if we can celebrate the ingredients in the day to day, it makes it more fun. It means that the deal is just the end product of like all the hard work that you put in. We're doing that now social things yeah we're going to talk about i call it iapa you call it iapa yeah um you've just had in november like the really big kind of end of year iapa vibes in melbourne Mm -hmm. um you also are in your new role at pwc working for someone that you i believe met or knew through yeah i did so obviously that's the, the opening statement so what is it this is a good time to plug it i guess you know why would people be i'm sure they probably know what it is already but What is it? How are you involved? What's the vibe?
1: So I am the New South Wales chapter head for IAPA. So for those who don't know what those letters stand for, it's Institute of Analytics Professionals of Australia. I was not part of the naming of this. <laughs> like it what is a bit of a mouthful. It's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> I do know a lot of the founders, so yeah. I'm looking at you guys. But Oh, um, wow, oh, you're just calling it a, out here. Yeah, okay, <laughs> It fair. is a bit of a mouthful, but it was, um, it was created in the early 2000s uh, And we actually the fact that at the time, there was really only like the Stats Society of Australia. You know, there's only statistical societies and math societies. And there was nothing for working professional analytical people who are uh, like data and analytics, but weren't necessarily or didn't necessarily call themselves statisticians anymore because it was a little bit more on the business side of the world. So um, they created this institute really to bring people together, to share knowledge, to network, to build connections. and, And as you said, that's actually how I... I met my um, my current partner, of, and when you say partner at PwC, don't mean my partner. He's not my like don't, life don't, partner. He's not my life partner. Um, <laughs> he's a very lovely wife, and <laughs> like, but um, but he's, uh, he's basically the the partner of the team, effectively, sure. of the practice at PwC. Uh, and he and I actually were co-chairs of IAPA. We didn't know each other before. Um, there was a, a vote. I'm pretty sure I lost the vote. I'm oh, pretty nice. sure there were only two people um, <laughs> up for the vote and I'm pretty sure I, I lost, but, and, and I did lose actually. And he won, yeah. I don't know by how much, but he uh, didn't want to necessarily do it on his own. So sure. he was like, hey, whoever came second, can I work with them? So I came second. Nice, <laughs> so, and here you are. So we worked together for a few years actually. And we would have quarterly meetings yeah, and, nice. and then, um, and then we both kind of semi-retired <laughs> from it. And and then covid hit and all sorts of sure. things. So we haven't really had those meetings back up, but I think the chapter meetings the the plan is to get to kick them off again. Yeah. This year so Well, I'd
0: hope cuz it's the longest running networking group for analytic professionals, obviously, but also just the longevity of it's pretty amazing because it's so hard to keep a community going and also keep a community interested. You know, obviously like we've done events together with Women in Data and then we've got the Data Jam series we run and they are hard work to put together and they're stressful, especially during COVID time where you're like, is anyone even gonna show up, right? So, yeah, no, no was the answer. The answer was no. Yeah. But like, I guess why are you interested in it and why have you stuck with it? And also like, how have you kept people interested as a group?
1: Multiple questions there. I'll address the first part. like cool. part. The why, I'm a big why person, right? Yeah. So why did I get into it? I think for me, a couple of things. When I was at university some you know these types of associations didn't really exist uh, and even at university, a lot of my training was very academic. Mm. You know, when you when you study in a school of math and stats, it's very theoretically math and stats. And they had started to introduce topics that were things like financial mathematics, and you know, like topics that were maybe a bit more directly di- directly connected to um, working at a bank or you know a consulting company or something like that. But uh, it was very theoretical. Mm. And and I remember thinking when I left and especially Especially after the first couple of years of working with like in real life data I was like oh my gosh there's so many things I don't know and yeah. I don't want people coming out of academia or anywhere else really if they're starting their careers to not have that you know not know who to talk to not have that um, you know somebody to to mentor or not even mentor just like just to Um, share that information and I don't think it was necessarily a thing that people didn't want to share it's just that there were no forums to share what life was like what life was really like, you know, with working with real data and, you know, the struggles or the joys and all of that. You didn't really have that because you didn't have those associations. And so when I came upon IEPA, um, as I said, I know some of the founders. And so it kind of word of mouth. It was very word of mouth at first. I started to realize that there's suddenly a group of people who all had a very similar backgrounds because back in the day, you could only really work in analytics if you did a math degree yeah, yeah. or maybe a comp science, but generally math degree. And so similar backgrounds, um, similar ways of thinking, similar jobs in, in, the, in their everyday in the way that they, they wanted to approach jobs. And so I was like, this is this is my, these are my people. Yeah. <laughs> and not only that, like we can help the next generation or we can help um just sharing our knowledge and i it comes back to that whole teaching thing yeah, that i have okay. like and i don't think i really i knew that when i was at university tutoring classes that i loved teaching but i didn't realize how much i loved it until years later when i would be teaching courses for sas and just And adult teaching is really different from teaching children yeah. like okay university students are not children however they're they are they they're, they're uni kids right so like they're in between yeah but teaching like full-fledged like you know adults who've been working for like 10 20 30 years is quite different but I had that same joy yeah okay. um, and so I think it's all really connected for yeah. me that makes it's sense. that just just wanting to bring people together and um, and have people collaborate and work together and I find My my favorite thing about um, going to a conference, to be honest, or going to um, even talking to clients is actually just introducing people to people. Mm. I remember going to this one conference where all I did for three straight days was just during breaks, introduce people to each other. (laughs) Like I was like, oh, you haven't met. Oh, like that sounds interesting. Oh, you'd like that person. Let me introduce you. (laughs) That's awesome. Just like walking around. You're the glue that
0: holds industry together
1: well de- there's a there are a lot of that i'm not the only one that does it i think it's it's something i enjoy doing yeah.
0: so well if you enjoy it, that's why you keep at it right so with a group like that do you find that you've kind of got the core crew and then you'll put on events and people will kind of come in come out but you keep that core group of the the network together is that is that how you've kind of done it over the years?
1: It is. And um, and it's been quite interesting because sometimes the core group for whatever reason kind of goes away for a few years. Mm. Like, you know, a lot of the founding group were like in their 40s or 50s now. So, um, you know, different times in their lives, you know, they stopped had children. Yeah. They did big career changes. Yeah, they of course. did, you know, things like that. So, there have been these big you know, moments in the last, however many years is it now, like 20 years, 20 yeah. something years, um, where obviously there have been uh, a changing of the guard in a way, you yeah. know, like it's not the same people. But again, it, it kind of depends. People kind of ebb and flow and they come back in and you yeah. know, people come back and go, oh, I want to re-engage, you know. So it's, it's nice like that. And I think the lesson really though is that the analytics community in Australia is actually quite small. Yeah. it it is it's really small it was really funny um as i said i've been working on this thing with some vendors and one of the vendors i noticed long story but there's a lot of paperwork at pwc when you need to do anything so i ended up having to look at like their c-level execs and things like that their board members and one of them is actually someone who um i connected with on linkedin 20 years ago now probably a bit more but he's like the CEO of this company, but he used to do what you did. Oh. Yeah, he used to do analytics recruiting, and that's how come I knew him. Oh, like cool. I just came came across him like ah. over, you know, through the traps, you know. And then um, yeah, so it was it was really funny. And now he's the CEO of like a um, technology company.
0: Oh, great job, whoever that is. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> but uh but also what was funny was that like the person I was talking to at that tech company was tell it was saying, Oh, you know this other guy, right? Let's call him. Max. Sure. She was like, "You know Max, right?" And I was just like, "Yeah." I'm like, oh, "How do you know Max?" And he goes, "Oh, Max works here." I'm like, oh, "That's <laughs> crazy because I've known Max for 20 years." Nice. <laughs> so, it, you just kind of
0: It really helps with that long-term business engagement. So, let's let's get into let's get into consulting because it's a new world for you. It's a world that a lot of people find really very difficult to transition to after 16, 17 years doing something else, right? Because technology, right? It's yeah. different. Consulting is a whole different beast. And of the consultancies that I've worked with, the least highest success rate, if that makes sense, of people that we've placed, maybe in the first year, is at that kind of like associate director, director level in like a big consultancy when they haven't come with that prior knowledge. So how did you find that, or how are you still finding that transition? Because it's 18 months compared to 16 years.
1: Yeah, um, honestly, it's definitely... It's very different, and I would say that everything that you said is true. Um, the biggest thing is that I think if you come from a tech world, even tech consulting, yeah. but you come from technology world or from a vendor or tech consulting, um, because you have done tech consulting or you've done you know advisory work around technology or analytics, mm. You you naturally think, oh, it's a logical change, and it actually makes sense, and you know it's um, and it shouldn't be that difficult. Sure. But it actually is quite a different beast, as he said, um, and that's because I think with um, consulting as it is, and, this will, and also especially big four consulting, there's a lot of very structured process. Yeah. There's a lot of unstructured process as well. There's a lot of things that you don't really know about and and you know and until like there are things I'm still learning 18 months. <laughs> there are things I'm not like surprised. there are things that I've I've um I've talked to people who've been at the firm for years and I go like, oh yeah, I went to this thing and like this this review meeting and they're like, I've never heard of this review meeting before. Really? So I'm like, I don't know if the review meeting new or if it's just, there are things that you don't come across because sure. you just don't, it, there's so much scope. That it's so wide. You're well, not doing the same viable, thing. anything's viable, right? If yeah. you
0: find a project that can be viable, you just, you just do doing it, doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But that's why it's like so unstructured in a way. It's yeah. like it could be anything, and you could work with anyone, and yeah. it's so much bigger. So whereas, like when you are in tech or in tech consulting, you're in a way, well, well, I'll speak at least for technology and vendor space. There are certain products. There's the product of the actual tech. But there's also just the product of what you sell, mm-hmm. or how you sell it. There's a certain you know equation. There's a certain formula around it, if that makes sense. And that though is in a way somewhat structured. And and you always work kind of you don't always work with the same people. I work with a global team, and you know SaaS was like 11,000 people, right? So you you potentially could work with anyone globally. Mm-hmm. But um, but in big four consulting, it's it's quite different. It's like you. Everyone is very specialized in one mm. in certain things. Um, I found that quite interesting because I was always a generalist at at SAS, um, meaning that I just had the opportunities to work on pretty much all the products, the entire analytics lifecycle. Yeah. You know, I can basically talk about the whole thing end to end, um, and in quite in in some areas, quite a lot of depth. But at pwc there are people who are so focused on on one particular thing but they but they're very successfully selling and reselling that that you know that application over and over again but it's kind of it's their brand it's their it's what they're known for it's their specialization
0: and you need them to do the projects with you right because i think one of the things people mistake is that they think all your clients are external but there are first clients you need to have are those people internally so you know how to work the system and do the projects, right?
1: Right, exactly. And in addition to that, I think it's also that definitely there's an element of working with this specialized, I think when you're a specialist, it's also to some extent I think Maybe easier because people know what you do. Because people know what yeah. you do. Whereas, like, if you're coming in as a generalist, or you're coming in with like, I can do everything. It's like, uh, can how you? How really? are you
0: going to compete against the specialist if they want you to do the specialist thing? Right,
1: but also, how do you then sell I can do everything? You know, it's 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 difficult. Like, yeah. you need to talk with people, and you need to find the right client who who are starting from nothing or yeah. who are starting without that preconception of what they want, but who are also very open to hearing. Anything could come out of your mouth potentially. Yeah. You know, like it could be, you know, hey, this should be an optimization problem, or this should be a, you know, a text pro- problem, and they may not have thought about it that way. Yeah. But it's it's doing that kind of solutioning. Um, which is what I did a lot of when I was at SAS and yeah. it's what you do a lot of when you're in pre sales and probably in tech consulting as well. You kind of build that solution, you work with a client to build that solution out. Whereas like when you're in consulting consulting, a lot of the time the clients have an idea as to what they want. Yeah. You have and you have to have very good relationships with them to like then go into that like let's build something yeah. from scratch kind of mode. That makes you sense. You know, and it's um it's 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 quite a bit different. Yeah.
0: Daunting. And have you managed to use You mentioned you work with the banks at SAS. You know all these people through IAPA or IAPA. Is that how you've really tried to kind of leverage and work outwardly as well? Have you started start with the people I know and then build out from there? Is that a route you've gone or do you not like to utilize those kind of more personal relationships? Or is it somewhere in the middle?
1: I'll say I'm somewhere in the middle. I think for me, uh, I... I do find it uncomfortable to use personal relationships uh, because I find the way that I've built relationships over the years is that um, work kind of comes from it or work is part of it. Sure. But I am I have, like, in the past not been measured against, you know, uh, I have to target a person to get a certain amount yeah. from them kind of thing. No one so
0: needed anyone in your previous relationships, you weren't there for that reason of business. Right, exactly. You were there just because you shared stuff and yeah, thought the same, right? Yeah, it's for the
1: greater good of the community yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah, so there's definitely a, um, could I use those relationships more? Probably. Yeah. Because uh, I have some pretty good ones. But I think also it's just about finding the right thing for me to talk to them about. That
0: makes sense. And also that relationship might be a lot more valuable if in two years from now, it just so happens that you are there and they're involved in it somehow. And they're like, well, Annie's never really asked me for anything when she could have done. So I'm gonna go all the way out my way to make sure that this is a major success rather than you trying to extract something from a relationship when it isn't even there I'd love to know just one more question about sales at PwC and just generally how do you do it now I know that's ridiculous Um, but what I mean by because we we work in a sales role and we do it our way in recruitment yes there's some cold calling there's some online outreach there's some email outreach there's some conference out there's so many different ways of doing it what is what have been your I guess avenues to market when you sat down on day one and they went right go and sell something (laughs)
1: <laughs> like, what, what did you do? Um, I have to say that the majority of our work, just because of my particular team, is yeah. the infrastructure data analytics team, data and analytics team. A lot of our clients are government clients, which right. means that they release public, they release tender.
0: Do the tenders yourself.
1: Do our tenders, I, I, yeah.
0: My new role here, I'm doing all the tenders. And I don't mind doing it, but God, they're long.
1: They're, they're, it depends. Some of them are very extensive. Some of them, like the one that we, j- we submitted a few weeks ago was... I think longer than any of us expected. Uh, and it was like, it was kind of like when you go through a tender document and all of a sudden there's like, oh yeah, and you have to attach this and you have to attach yeah. this. And it was like, what? <laughs> like check this box to yeah, say that okay. you have like acknowledged. <laughs> I was like, okay. Nice. Okay. So, so
0: you're not like frontline hardcore sales because you're in a government
1: It's mostly our clients, our our government. So yes, in that way, it is more tender-driven. You can go direct, obviously, to clients as well, you know, and you know, friendly clients and see whether they'd be interested. So as we were talking about before, Um, and uh, there's also internal clients. So there's internal parts of PwC that. Uh, are, don't have their own analytics people because all our analytics people are, you know, 95, 98% of the time they're out working for clients. So they sometimes, like, there was this, there's this thing that's on the table at the moment where this, uh, a couple of managers from this team, um, lovely guys that I've worked with before on something else. And they were like, hey, we've got this idea about how we can make something more efficient. What do you think? And then they just kind of gave me a kind of I had a little bit of a chin wag. It's like what they were thinking of. And I was like, okay, well the solution could kind of look like this. So, you know, so this is
0: those internal client. Yeah. Relationships we're talking. Okay, and then, and
1: sense. I think some of those are beneficial, not just for you to do an internal project, but also just to build that network internally yeah. that, you know, you've, um, you've, you've proven, you've kind of in a way proof of concept, yeah. you know, your ability to help with, exactly. it, you know, their problem.
0: So are you feeling not that you weren't straight away, but, yeah, i'm sure it was a big culture shock for you are you finding now that you've been there a bit longer knocking on towards the two years that you are just starting to get into your groove and figuring it out a little bit more it just takes that first year
1: definitely takes at least i think the other problem with and we talked about this a while back is because i started in covid yeah. i started in lockdown covid yeah. <laughs> so, so it was the it was like the how very, do you even
0: do that right? it was
1: um for an organization that is very much, it's so big, you really need that arterial network. You need that network, yeah. you need that those connections. It's there It was very difficult. I wouldn't say completely impossible, but very, very difficult to do yeah. when you are in lockdown because people will schedule like meetings, right? And then they will be like, everyone's got back-to-back thirty-minute meetings, and if you're on video call, that thirty minutes is done. Like they will hang up on you. Wow. Whereas, like, well, because they, they don't. Well, no, I get they, it. They're not right. Wow. They just yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, if you were like, let's do a coffee. Let's go up to level sixteen where we have like a little. Ca- pop up cafeteria yeah. and like free coffees for everybody, you know. Let's go and have a coffee. Like, there's the time that you take walking to the elevators. So the time walking back to the elevators. Yeah, that's you know? the stuff
0: that's more important than yeah. Energy. And all
1: that. of that kind of off, like the meeting conversations, sure. are really what I think is very like you know. I think that's where I, pro- I probably do them.
0: <laughs> like yeah, no, have yeah. the
1: biggest impact myself. No,
0: that's what we say to all our guys. That, you know that that first bit to the lift and. You know the bit after is more important than the meeting, oftentimes, it's what they remember. So, because
1: I know I'm one of those people in a meeting, whether on your video call or if you sit down, that I just get straight into it. I just yeah. sometimes get really tunnel vision. I'm going, like Don't have time, need to get straight into it. And, like, so you sometimes forget the niceties, yeah, and, do. or sometimes you take too much time in the niceties, or sometimes you know, this is always, <laughs> it's always really person. hard on the in a virtual meeting yeah. to figure out the timing of everything. So, yeah, it
0: doesn't flow as well. Yeah. So, from what I understand, and I know I understand because you've done this with me before, your party trick is that you can get given any topic on anything in the world and you can talk about it for as long as you want.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. So I'm going to give you a topic. I'm going to try and make it really specific and hard because last time we did this, I feel like I gave you too broad a topic. you talked about bears? Badgers.
1: Ba- bears. Oh, bears. bears. Oh, that's bears. super easy. Bears, yeah.
0: There's loads of stuff about bears, <laughs> all right? And I've thought of this because of where we're sat. This is really difficult. I would like you oh to gosh. talk about the Radisson Hotel chain.
1: Ooh yes! Oh my gosh, is that the one like right there?
0: Yeah, it's the one across the road. Oh
1: my gosh, I think I've stayed at that one actually, and it was really funny because I stayed in there with my um with my ex colleague from SAS, Mary. She and I are very close, and at the time we had gone to my our friend Sarah's wedding, which was down in the east somewhere i think it's nelson park one of those nielsen parks but we um we were at the wedding and then we thought oh let's just like she was a single mother but like you know she um i think his, her son was with her father at the time and then she was like oh let's just stay in the city for a night so that's where we stayed so yes. that is the beginning of my discussion about the rats <laughs> just like slipped it in there so it's it is really interesting because i don't know a huge amount about the radisson other this than is that why i try to give you this hard topic I know it's really difficult but i can't tell you a lot about hotels in general because i don't want to know about hotels so. you want to know about the radisson yeah hotel? The radisson, Yeah. I well i have to say that that was a really nice hotel and i did always want to stay there <laughs> longer and i was always regretted because we didn't get back until like 11 o'clock at night and all we literally did was sleep that's a waste, of, hotel. Was like done. Sorry?
0: That's a waste of a good hotel
1: no it was but i think. We got a deal on it. It was one of those like what whatif.com kind of <laughs> situations. That's really good. Yeah. What I can say about the Radisson Hotel is that it's not part of my hotel club. So I'm, I actually oh. have an hotel club, I'm part of the Accor. Yeah. Street, which is like Novotel's and sophotels and yeah. all of those hotels and Pullmans, but no, the Radisson isn't. Do you know which hotel club it is? Part, it's part of. No, I don't know. I feel like it's probably part of a hotel club, right? It must because be. like Maybe they're, they're of all part of hotel one. clubs. Probably like Marriott. Yeah. It's like that seems about right. Which is quite interesting because I here's an interesting fact for everyone. It turns out that like all of my American relatives, of which I have many, as you can probably tell, uh, they're all members of Marriott clubs. Like apparently, Marriott is, is like massive. Is that a big thing? Yeah. It's huge in America. I tried
0: to be a member of a hotel club once and just went, Oh, can't be asked.
1: No, whereas here it's like only not, yeah, it's not really. I mean,
0: that was a hard topic to give. It though, was, wasn't it? Yeah. it was. I, I mean, lo- I, would
1: you like me to keep going? No, no, no I you could can keep stop now. About hotel No, books.
0: I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And you proved your point because I was like, That's a really hard topic to give someone. Um, and you did very well.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things... I mean, the last time you guys asked me that question, I, I talked about bears.
0: Which is easy. And
1: then, you know what was so funny about bears? We were talking about bears and how was, you know, there's a bear mug. And then yeah. we were talking about how, like, I always think that they're really cute, but then all my relatives in America say, don't hug them yeah. and things like that. And then what was really funny was that not long after... No, I didn't. <laughs> However, I recently just came back from America. My aunt was getting married and she lives in Oregon, which is really forest. That's proper bear far, central. Proper yeah. bear central, like in this forest everywhere. But we, um, and aunt and uncle and I, we went on kind of like around Portland, we went up to the mountain and there were like signs about like bears, like there's bears. And then the entire time there's like things like don't pet the bears and stuff. And I'm like, I we I was talking about That's that you. the last time I was here. <laughs> it was just like the sign how, is like, for you. You really should not be petting the bear.
0: Definitely don't <laughs> pet the bear. Did you see a bear?
1: No, I didn't. It ah. was it was um, at the top of the mountain it was like winter but it's off season. I don't know. It was very confusing. Is at the end of the season? So oh, no bears, so they're hibernating.
0: Fair enough.
1: Yeah, so no keep bears to potentially Pat and um, get my head bit off.
0: I'm really glad you didn't get to pet the bears. All right, one last question. You're in a zombie apocalypse and you can have three people with you who are not your family. Your family's safe, they're in a bunker. Which three people do you want to have with you in the zombie apocalypse? Are you watching The Last of Us, by the way?
1: I am not, but oh I have God. it on my, I have it, yeah, it I have is, it tagged. Come on. I, I feel like I have to watch it, Everyone, right? it's
0: like, you And know, it's
1: Pedro Pascal, right? And he's yeah, just like, Mandalorian? Just, yeah, <laughs> right, which is back
0: soon as well. It's on Wednesday. On Wednesday. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it's Monday night, right? Because it was Game of Thrones on Monday nights for so long, which... Like it gives you something to look forward to. Then White Lotus was a big thing on, on Monday nights. It's now it's the last of us. And if you're not watching it on a Monday night, then Tuesdays just aren't as good at work.
1: You know what TV. I have been watching is uh, breaking bad. Because oh, because I finally seen it? I know. Everyone wow. like every time Everybody finds out I've not watched Breaking Bad, that I get yeah. a lecture. It's good though, right? I get it. Uh, yeah, so I'm yeah. up to season four.
0: Oh, okay, cool. You're really cool. in it then.
1: I'm 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 cool. into it. Do I'm you know like what? I'm invested. <laughs>
0: another one of those shows that everyone talks about, The Wire. I never watched The Wire. I was just a little young for it, I think. And then I yeah. tried to go back and watch it and oh my god, it's so dated. It's so hard to go and rewatch It's, so. it's hard. Yeah. yeah,
1: no, I watched it a little late too, but I didn't watch it all the way. I think I only watched like the first and second season or something. But yeah, yeah, it's one of those that I feel like I also need to kind of go back and watch. Sopranos is another one have right. not watched that my there brother was really into it i never really even got that into now it is quite
0: dated yeah we tried to start watching that me and nicole and we just went nah no. it's not it's not for now we need no anyway okay zombie
1: apocalypse <laughs> back on track back on track um okay so this is my my answer mm-hmm. um i would bring and they can be fictional characters right mm-hmm. okay because these are all somewhat fictional but i i wish that they were real people well somewhat because I, I wish that they were real and for all i know that they okay, will be real sure, one day sure. you know. um so the three are um mystique
0: yeah great choice
1: x-men um she's very she's useful amazing. very useful could, i mean like, shape-shifting tra- come yeah, on she could walk and through also, zombies and they think she's a zombie and also the whole like you know Spinny, the kicky, the kicky yeah, you know martial arts thing i mean she's yeah. like badass. Yeah, she um is and then um Lilu, from the fifth element which is still probably one of my favorite movies i know some people might watch that and think that is a bit dated but like it's it's a lot of those pretty cool movie but like it is so cool like i just i just thought that the whole thing was just so great and i
0: feel movies don't date as much as tv shows date like you watch a tv show and it's like because you're really into the day-to-day life yeah movies are bigger it's like grander it's sci-fi and that so anyway
1: but I love Lilu and and also like thinking back to Fifth Element and then Bruce Willis and obviously his, you know he's having some health problems now too so it's just yeah. nostalgic. Oh, yeah, but Lilu is also like that whole kicky yeah, martial yeah. arts like oh yeah. my gosh defend me woman yeah. cuz I
0: <laughs> you're like there like
1: ah! I am the slowest I am short Turn and I have a very ball. short legs Pull okay into a ball. so I am the person who I I I'm all about feminism and you like
0: plan the but attacks. I am not
1: Yes you
0: You're the strategy. You're the strategy person. I am
1: not physically fit enough.
0: Fair. Good to know your limitations. I need need
1: protections. Exactly. And then um, the last one is Maleficent.
0: Oh, she'd be so useful.
1: Yeah, like magic.
0: she just mess up the zombies. I
1: just did a BuzzFeed um, uh, like a survey, which, you know, those BuzzFeed quizzes, which obviously, you know, just... People do,
0: still do them?
1: Yeah, they do. Okay,
0: cool. All <laughs> they, right.
1: No, like, it, sure. like, it was, in my defense, it was shared with me, but okay, like I cool. did it because I do it. If you've given me something, right, I will yeah, do it. Okay, cool. um, Did a BuzzFeed quiz, and, can, and, um, and it was like to like do with supernatural character. oh, okay. characters and what you yeah. would be. And I came out as the magician, so the magi person. So, also
0: not Maleficent specifically. No,
1: I really love Maleficent, but you came out as like a magic, yeah, like
0: like, almost like Dungeons and Dragons. Like, which character would you be the goblin? Would you be the magician? Would you be the no?
1: That is a game that I wish that I had learned to play too. I've always wanted to.
0: I got taken by my American buddy when I was younger, like 12, to a Dungeons and Dragons night, and like. I was always like sporty, but music and like nerdy stuff. I liked everything, right? Yeah. And I went and I was so lost because they just went straight into this yeah. role play thing. And I was like, I have no idea what's going on. And then I, that was it. Never did it again.
1: Do you know what, though? I am looking forward to the Dungeons and Dragons movie, which yeah. is coming out.
0: Is it going to be good? Because all that more and Well, it's got the Chris, it's got Chris Pine. It's oh. got Chris Pine in is it. See your favorite Chris?
1: Mm. My favorite Chris is Chris Evans. <laughs> yeah, there you go, right? You
0: see everyone's got different Chris's. right? Everyone's
1: got a favorite Chris, but like I really love I was actually just thinking about Chris Pine the other day because I was thinking about how I really enjoy his Star Trek movies. Oh yeah, like, they're, they're really kind good. Of, they're like my rewatch movies, like yeah, you know, there's okay. all, all those rewatch movies, but they're, they're one. They're John some Wick of my is re-watch my rewatch
0: movies, <gasps> me and really? But it's John so Wick. devastating. No, but he gets revenge and gets a new know, dog. But
1: I can't, I can't, I but literally he gets the
0: new dog. I can't get past. You like, have to just skip that bit. That's what we did. We literally hour. skipped the dog bit and then we're good. John Wick, it's John so Wick four's coming out.
1: <laughs> I know, no one
0: cares about his wife, like the fact his wife just died. I know, it was like, oh no, the puppy's dead.
1: But it was just so sad because she le- gave like
0: gave him. I the know. Point. I mean,
1: we really shouldn't be spoiling it for people who haven't watched this
0: If someone hasn't watched John Wick One by now, then it's their own fault. <laughs> you sorry. are not
1: allowed to w- like watch this podcast. Yeah, no at <laughs> like, all.
0: No. <laughs> no one's listening now anymore. We're like an hour and whatever in. Like, no one cares. It was like you're not even talking about anything anymore. Um,
1: oh no. But yes, maleficent now. So my whole like they're all women who are kick-ass, who yeah. are really Who are independent as well. I think that's what I love about it. But they all have real, like, they they have real heart. Yeah, like they really they're actually all very emotional characters, very yeah. much attached to the people around them, even if yeah. it's not obvious. And so they're tough on the outside, but they're actually.
0: I love movies where the baddie becomes like yes. relatable and Maleficent was just nailed that. You were oh, like perfect. so on her side. Yeah. So I get that completely. Yeah,
1: definitely. And if you, actually what was really interesting about the Maleficent movie was because it came out after, um, the book that wicked is based off like wicked oh. the musical and wicked the musical is one of those kind of stories yeah, yeah. in a way but if you read the book it actually goes into it in a lot more depth and actually the book is not for children <laughs> it's very non piece very there's, there's some very dark things in that yeah. book but it it it's by a writer who wrote a couple of stories like that he wrote one around the wicked stepsister and yeah, nice. things and I uh, just I love quite, like, you know, I like that other side of the world. Maybe it's that psychology thing, full circle. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, 100%. you know, um, well,
0: I was about to talk about The Last of Us, but you haven't watched it, and that would be a spoiler. But anyway, on all of those bombshells, we have to wrap it up. Um, maybe we can cut out some of the boring stuff about your career earlier. Really, I know, like, do in, that. You know? like, yeah, let's yeah, like yeah. Add it's all just, this pop culture uh, stuff. It's so we need, much like, more a, like, a side podcast. Pop culture with data people or something like that. Oh
1: my gosh! Do you know how how popular that would be? Really? Yeah, because you know, like there are no more biggest sci-fi geeks than like.
0: That's true. And every time we get into stuff like this on the podcast, like I'd say 80% of the people that we've had on really like want to talk about this kind of stuff and just have a bit like of fun. So maybe there's something to that. I don't know. Yeah, but
1: you told me the last time about who like the most popular person.
0: Uh, Dennis. Spanish guy, half of Spain, watched it. So he's like up No, there. not
1: popular podcast. I mean oh. popular person to bring in a zombie a- apocalypse. Oh, The Rock. Yeah.
0: Everybody wants The Rock.
1: Which is I know he's like super strong and all that, but like it's
0: But he seems really nice to hang around he as well. Does. Right? I get
1: it, but like at the same time he's also got a huge ego and like <laughs> Yeah, but like there's
0: not many of us left and, you know, I'm not saying I'd take the rock, but everyone wants the rock. That's true. Big guy, gets in the way, nice dude.
1: He's like a giant, like giant giant teddy bear.
0: I reckon I'm quicker than him too. Do you? Well, I mean, he's huge. He can't be quick, like sprinting. Like he can't be that quick, can he? Because you don't have to be the quickest. You just don't want to be the slowest. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the thing?
1: That's true, yeah. and also he's got so much body mass, like he, lots of places to bite.
0: Yeah, and lots of places exactly. to bite.
1: Not a practical choice. Definitely a, go for like the least females that can, you know. Well, this is the other thing. Away. This
0: is the other thing that like <laughs> is fun because you pick three women. Is that like most people who come on pick three dudes? But like, even are they the, mostly dudes? N- yeah, but also <laughs> the late women we've had on the podcast have picked mostly dudes. And so it's
1: the obvious choice, but. I don't know. I like I know myself quite well, and I know what I need.
0: Yeah, strong women around you.
1: Like strong women, and you know, I wrote a, I wrote a vlog for you guys. Like yeah, a few exactly years about ago. female superheroes. Oh well, yes, yeah, and that's the thing. It's you know, like strong women, um, but also very smart women. Yeah because ultimately in a part and if you anybody's watched the walking dead or any of those yeah. shows the one thing's definitely short of in the world is intelligence oh my god seriously so <laughs> when, we're, we're, when so
0: <laughs> i've watched the walking dead but nicole hadn't because she's loving the last of us nicole's my wife um she's like let's watch i was like do you want to watch the walking dead and she was like yeah and i'm like we just finished the first season and a half we're keeping going and i'm just i'm there like oh my god seriously i can't believe I've got to go through like watching Carl grow up again <laughs> and like Shane just being oh Lydia. No. You and, have like, to watch it
1: again. Yeah. No.
0: And I, but I love it. It's great. But I then know. I'm also like, although
1: I did stop in season five. So I've got like a few seasons that yeah, I need to watch. So I've I need
0: stopped to keep at watching at, think, season six. And then I was, so maybe I'll keep watching this time. Anyway, yeah. shut up. We're going to go. Oh. All right. We have to finish. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you're still there. And it's been awesome having you on. Thank you so much. I hope you had fun.
1: Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Precision Sourcing.